and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. On today's episode, we sit down with Matt Adekponya or Adekponya. Oh, mate, don't go disrespecting the name, brother. It's oh, Adekponya. Well, I feel nervous because I didn't want to mispronounce, but I love this chat. Me too. One of my favorites. I know we say it every episode and I know I say that every episode, but it really was, wasn't it? I loved hearing his story from professional basketballer to being that, being just content king. He is king of king. content. Mate, he's doing, he's working with Patty Mills, the Aussie Boomers, a few people I don't know because I'm not in the basketball scene, but you can probably rattle off a few more. I just, I liked hearing his journey from not wanting to be the basketball guy after he finished his career and transitioned and transitioned to what he does now. But yeah, it was, I just, a few hard hitters in this one for me, reality hit home. Yeah, it was, um, you were traveling down similar lines there for a little bit. So it was a good conversation, honestly, um, here and here and everything. And what, what goes into actually content creation and building a brand and getting an audience and, and all that, like, it's all stuff we're learning at the moment and testing and trying. So it was a really important chat, I think. I'll tell you what else I liked. I liked how he learned to use Google, learned to use YouTube. Yeah. Easy as that. And practice. And that's, and that's important, isn't it? Enjoy. So we always kick it off with a pretty hard one. Um, what's been happening in your world? Not much, hey, no more than any anyone else's right now. I've kind of transformed my whole life online more than ever. And instead of shooting and doing all this stuff, it's more consulting and strategy and getting all your ducks in a row, I guess. So when COVID's over, you're, you're coming out guns blazing. 100%. So. As it was a massive impact for you. Obviously, a lot of the events and sport got ramped right back. How did that impact you? I was kind of lucky because I was working for an NBL team and my contract ended right before they went into voluntary admin with the Illawarra Hawks. And then it's the NBL off season. So I didn't have any contracted work, although the work I had lined up with the boomers and the Olympic window and these kind of things obviously all got thrown out. So that was a tough one because that was a few months probably that was um, blanked out. But in saying that, it gave me a chance to, um, look at new opportunities, new ideas and revisit things a few times. So there's always a silver lining. I guess it just depends how you look at it. You know, you can head up the wall hoping things to go back to normal or you can just adapt and try and beat other people to adapting. Love that. That's great. So how, what did it, what drastically changed for you? What sort of the consulting work you said, you mentioned that just before you're spending a lot of time on zoom, how are you finding time on uh, video calls? It's, yeah, it's a little bit of a punish um, at times. You just, if you're working in the digital space, you're looking at the screen so long all day, every day anyway. So then to do it in, in your spare time where you'd usually be out and about or doing other things, it's a little bit hard, but every brand has one objective during a hard time. That's to not close. So their branding has to change accordingly as well. So um, business has been, fine for a lot of people in the media space who kind of work on the other side of the fence with the strategy and stuff because businesses have to adapt so there is work to be had in helping them adapt as well and finding ways how to get creative with content whether it's repurposing or um, outsourcing or using zoom repurposed videos i'm sure you've seen a bunch of those going around and just finding ways to keep telling stories keep putting stuff out and not going stagnant um, 
which is a very big part of, yeah, some breweries have turned into like distilleries for hand sanitizer and stuff, but you still need to get this messaging out as well. So yeah, it's been, it's been good for me personally. Sounds interesting as man. Do you, do you think that it's um, like, take us back. What, what is your service offering? I know you, you've, you've got a, you got a fair bit on your plate. You just finished up your contract at the, at the Illawarra Hawks and you've done some cool things with Paddy Mills, Aaron Baines and the Boomers, um, plus many, 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 many other things. What is, uh, what is a normal life of Matt look pre-COVID? Pre-COVID, it's, yeah, it was, the, it was the NBL stuff. It's back and forth to the States. Don't know if there was, yeah. My bad. Living the hood. Yours or ours? I thought it was ours, and I was like, <laughs> oh my. I've never heard police sirens in Torquay. I hear them all the time. Fire, fire sirens. Uh, yeah, there you go. Downtown Wollongong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it was good. I think I had a good balance of um, work and life, and just transitioning out of sport. I didn't want to just go into a nine to five. It probably would have ruined me mentally, and I would have really struggled. So I had a, a like I had good opportunities coming up both with the national team and with um, some of the boys who play in the NBA. And yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I was doing whatever I needed to do, stay, staying well, shooting, not shooting, you know, sleeping in if I needed to or staying up late if I had to. So yeah, we're, we're working on all kinds of things from national team content to going over to the States to cover NBA games, um, off season workouts, trying to look at some documentary kind of stuff. And yeah, now that kind of all flipped on its head pretty much straight away. And now I'm in a role of head of media for Paddy Mills. Um, and, and I do that full time. Unreal. Yeah, that's crazy. We're just having a look at your Instagram, having a bit of a stalk and... A bit jealous. Oh, man, I'm looking at your life going, there's waterfalls, there's just you with the, the rig out nonstop, loving it. <laughs> hey, but why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like... There's some good photos, good content. I'm like, there's a reason why this bloke's doing what he's doing, 100%. It's different in sports as well. Like a, a lot of people, for the average punter, yeah, all right, people are in better shape than others. But it's just, it's telling stories. Um, it's being in the moment. It's just doing what all these other guys do already, but bringing it to a platform that helps them grow audiences and grow brands and grow what they're doing as well. I love that. Oh, gr growing brands, growing building the brands. audience. Ta tell us about that because that's something that we chat about all the time and that's something we love talking about. How, here's a good question then. Yeah. How do you use content or how do you use, build a content strategy to build brand? Depends on your brand. Well, like I'm not sure what you guys have done. Give me, give me some background. Ooh, for Storytelling. Us. You want to yeah. tell the story? Come on. What have you done? What do you mean? What have we done? The story of us? Yeah. What do you mean? In terms of a podcast, started up a podcast. Yeah. Create a narrative around that. Um, we talk a lot about like building an authentic audience. So not, we didn't, we didn't pump any money into Facebook ads or anything like that. Um, we just really focused on finding out who actually really likes us. And then we wanted to sort of build that up organically to a point where we can use different tools to hopefully help a lot of people in our network. So yeah. And we want to know if we put out quality content, then that's a big emphasis for us is that with our speed, how quickly we put out content of what we do, but also the quality of our guests and the type of insights and tips that people who listen to our podcast come away with. So we pride ourselves on having pretty wide range of, of audiences of, of guests who come onto our show from professional athletes to 
um, tech stars to chefs. professional chefs to startup founders to just cool people who have interesting stories. And we, we believe that if we can connect with the right amount of people and we can have a, like an interesting and meaningful conversation with people we meet, a lot of other people we realize don't get that opportunity. So we get, they get to provide the value of being a fly on the wall of a conversation that is really beneficial for both people, really. Because a lot of the times we have people come on and they might not ever really get asked questions like this or ever come on a podcast before. So we may, obviously some of the stars have, have done lots of media stuff thing before, but for those who don't, it's an opportunity to put some people in the spotlight who probably wouldn't be previously and probably deserve to be. Yeah, it's like anyone, you know, your neighbour down the road could be the rock star running all these cool brands and you just don't know, you know what I mean? And they get the cop, they're waiting in line just in front of you and you just don't know who they are, you know? So it's more shining light on people like that and the creators doing cool things. And I think it's, a, a, we try to put the nail on the head, like what is, it's kind of the spirit. It's like the, in terms of guests and stuff, it's just a sniff test really. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just honestly like the vibes that you get and I don't know, it's been really natural for us and that's what we're trying to, sort of bring out i suppose so there's our there's our poorly executed elevator pitch of our brand <laughs> no it's you guys are a good one right like you're you, you're the podcast for for sometimes a little guy i um, mean there's actually a pretty big market for that you know everyone loves the, the regular punter and seeing the regular punter do things that you you like you said you want you might not know what they do and then you realize oh that person does this and this dope let's get them on the podcast and inspire these the next generation of guys who aren't going to be the LeBron James but they might be someone who plays a role in 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 the team so I think that's that's the niche and if you get enough people there it's going to grow organically I don't think you have a problem because there's people are trying to hit it way out of the park and get stars only hard to do very hard to do or people are just going in one specific kind of area you're kind of dabbling in a lot of different things and your content's going to be very diverse. So I think you guys are on the right track. And the only hard thing is that it's it's a podcast. You know, anyone can make a podcast. I can make one. Next door neighbor can make one. So there is a lot of noise um, out there. The podcasts are like the the bikinis of the fashion world. You know, anyone can just start one up, start up a swimwear line, and, and off they go. So yeah, you have a lot of work in the first year or two or three, cutting through all the noise. Um, but like, like you guys have ranked in the iTunes and stuff like that, people will find it because people are consuming podcasts like they never have before. These weren't even a thing when I was really playing, you know, and that was only three years ago, two years ago. They weren't really that big then. 100%. We're, we're massive fans. Locke's been saying it already. If there's anyone who is listening who wants to start a podcast, just start it. Yeah, because I mean, like the opportunities, like that's what I mean. You find a lot of people who start podcasts and they're like, they just don't want to inspire other people to do similar stuff because they think there's just this small little pool. But in reality, it's massive. You know what I mean? Like there is plenty of people doing stuff. But if you're a business and you just need to get a few numbers up or know your niche or you don't need to be, like you said, take over the world. You just need to know what your service is and your customers. And if you can provide that value and just up it like that and grow organically it's an awesome way and you can just chop it up and you can do it the way you want like it's your brand you know people so it's really find you. people will find you for sure um a, a mate of mine who i met when i was in detroit he started a podcast or he's been involved in the podcast back then so four years and that podcast has only kind of really blown up over the last maybe one to two years that's the joe bottom 
Joe Budden podcast with Rory and Mal. And and Maul, he's um he's one of the guys who I, who I'm friends with. And when he when he started this podcast and started being a part of it, it was it was small, you know, it was kind of like diehards only listen to this thing a couple times a week and a bunch of guys shooting the shit on I don't know whatever's happening, race issues, awards, um, the odd bit of basketball or hip hop, you know. And it was now it's a huge podcast, like it's unbelievable. And you see these guys' platforms go from a thousand followers, and now I think he's well over a hundred thousand followers. But he's still the same dude, keeps it real. Um, so there is like a, I've seen podcasts go from where you guys are to something that's kind of absorb like it's your morning paper you know people have reminders set on for this stuff and i'm sure you guys have heard of that podcast as well oh 100 man 100 and it's and it's starting to get a bit weird because we were just saying beforehand we don't have any short form content and we're like we're getting 200 odd downloads before like 12 o'clock on the release day and we're going these are 200 people consuming or starting up a long form like hour conversation every morning like yeah, every monday two hours of us click and release so it's like obviously it's something that's working but i want to go i want to rewind back to you're talking about repurposing content before you want to talk us like what is repurposing content it can be anything from something that's posted yesterday to stuff that you haven't posted yet to stuff from 10 years ago and it's when you look at it the second or third time you kind of think you kind of feel like you can fit a new purpose and maybe that's only overlay or audible content to go over whatever it is. But for example, you could have a, a zoom interview like we're having now and you can chat about the podcast and you can overlay it with your older zoom podcast and stuff. And you might see, uh, no, you might have different facial hair, you know, different setting, different things. And it is still telling a story of how you got to today. And this is stuff that you already have. Like you have re recordings or, or old photos or archives of when you first started this thing, old cover photos, your old sketches that you might've thrown in the trash. And you can tell a story of how you got to where it is right now, just with the stuff that you probably just threw out. And that's what people want to see, you know, growth, how it started, the humble beginnings, all those feel good vibes, especially I assume having a pretty strong Aussie audience um, like that's, People love that stuff. Oh, 100%. And we noticed even on LinkedIn, when we post more behind the scenes stuff or what we're doing in the real time moment, like this is how we're tackling this problem and this is the outcome that we're trying to provide, like t-shirts, like telling people the process and, mm. and doing that. And then people really like, they want to follow along for the journey, you know, and go, oh, that's cool. Like they're actually showing us how to do it. Like they're just normal people. Like it's, I don't know. It just feels like you're learning with them. We talk a lot about storytelling. We've, we've yeah. also been purpose purposely telling people behind the scenes what we're doing because it it does help bring people along on that journey and it's it's funny when you're talking about repurposing content one of the things we have been talking about is breaking ours going back across all our episodes and breaking them down into some like bite-sized content so what, whether we put them out as blogs whether we do some like audio clips that run over like headliner things it's just it takes time do you get tired trying to put out like quality because you must have a pretty high quality standard you know what I mean? Like you're not, your standard must be up here. So to, to how do you put out enough content like at pace at a good quality? D depends on your strategy, right? There's a, and I think you can look at any Instagram influencer or celebrity or whoever. There's the people who post every day 
and there's people who might post once a month. Mm. One of them is going to have much better engagement than the other usually. And that's why you see like the accounts that are, that are huge and people will wait for them for that one post a month. If it's quality, people follow them just because they know that when that guy drops something in a month, it's going to be worth waiting for. So quality content is always, I know it's corny and cliche, but that's always going to be your best tool. The people who post every day, it's just like, it's not fire every single day. I don't know one person who every single post that they put out is the best thing you've ever seen. It's just not how it works. So they're the people who are just like, that's a different kind of snowball. That's a different race. But if you can put your time into either producing something that's epic or small quick hitters that are more raw like there's no right or wrong way it depends on your audience what people want Um, yeah like photographers and stuff like you say like the ones who post maybe once a month like the real professionals it's like it's like an art it's like getting a magazine every month you know what i mean it's like oh i can't wait for that like it's the dopamine and and it's not like people think they get forgotten but they don't because they get spoken about behind the scenes and going oh you know like but that's what I mean. Like when you're hustling, you're, I think you just go for that one direct strategy and that's just to pump stuff out at quick pace because maybe you're not sure of yourself yet of the quality. So maybe you need to be really sure of what you're putting out there in terms of if you're a photographer. I guess it's a starting point thing too. Like yeah. if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a massive star and you've already got an audience built up, then you can probably take a slower approach. But if you're starting from base scratch, nothing with nothing, with no one, then it's you might have to take the small hitter strategy and slowly put incremental content out there and see what actually resonates with your audience. It's funny though, right? Cause you do that too hard too early and then you lose a lot of the people as well. And you never know what's going to take you to, to go viral or whatever until it's out. Um, I just was looking at this dude the other day on Instagram. He's like famous and he sings letters and numbers only. He's from Vietnam. And <laughs> It's literally just hitting nice notes in singing the alphabet and basic one to ten numbers. Unbelievable. That's no What's his name? Do you remember his name? Video. Yeah, I'll be able to find him. Um, and it's uh, it's unbelievable. And it's actually you watch it and you're like, oh, dope. This is pretty cool. His name is Soy S O Y T I E T. There we go. There you go. We'll check him out afterwards. You can do anything and make it if it hits the right way. Like if you know you got something that's gonna go crazy, I'd just hold it. I wouldn't break it up. Oh, it's like what did we do? We done roller skates video. Yeah, the roller skates video. But I want to talk about when we were fucking around on Instagram and we had Joe Rogan crushing barrels. And we started up this Instagram account. We're like, we just want to see if this will build an audience. Like, what what's gonna happen? And it was just like we had no Photoshop skills. Like the worst Joe Rogan cutout of his head just in barrels like in the green room we were just like <laughs> we're just going to call it joe rogan crushing barrels and put 50 bucks on an ad to see how many hits we got what did we end we up had getting? over fifty thousand profile views in the first seven days it was just so we one just photo like, of this thing and this was like i don't know three years ago or whatever yeah and we were just playing with it but it was like a really shitty cutout yeah of joe rogan's head good. on kelly slater's body in a barrel yeah and it just went bananas so many people were liking it so many people were doing we're like, cool, cool. can we just start doing this and then all of a sudden just blank it out and then just sell something that Joe Rogan <laughs> fans would want? You know what I mean? Like UFC gloves or a towel, you know? But, but that's what it is, right? You, you can do anything these days on the internet. People love that stuff. There was uh, like the, that one Instagram account of the egg or whatever that oh, had. The egg page. Yeah, like, what? There's, 
there, there's so much stuff going on out there. It's just who's going to invent the next kind of, I don't know, no need account that brings humor into people's lives. You know, it's such a, a grim time out there that whenever there's a little bit of humor, people are like, I need all that. I need to share that. I need to promote that energy. Um, but it's, it's hard with business because you have to be on brand. You have to be organic and, and all these things, but you just can't, you can't force it. The second you're the one guy posting every 12 hours, like you, you're probably doing too much. If you do that for a year and you're still in the same spot, then you probably need to like relook at your strategy and, and find another way. Yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll probably need to dial back then because I'm just putting out, sometimes I'm like, that's just trash, but you know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I get caught in the thing like, oh, you know what I mean? Everyone knows if you it. think about it for too long, it's probably not it. That's like probably one of the best, like if you're looking at it and you're like, oh man, and then you leave it for a week and you look at it, if you can't convince yourself, you can't convince anyone else. Like, just let that one go. I like I like that rule. I like that rule. I want to talk about memes then, like, because like, Robbie's a big meme head. He loves memes. I like memes. What? Well, why do you like memes? I just think it's a really simple way to sum up how I feel about something, and yeah. I don't have to think that much. I have a quick laugh, and then I can send it to someone else, and hopefully they get a bit of a laugh. But, it's bra- like, but brand sharing memes and stuff like that. I, send, I think it's stuff. an engagement strategy that people use that they find stuff and you can create your own. Everyone rips everyone else off on the internet. So it's hard to figure out whether it's like your content or your created content, but the people that make good ones, there's a reason why so many of these meme pages get fucking massive like, followers. Fuck Jerry in that he's a million. He'd be a millionaire. Wouldn't he? I'm, That's be- the prime example of creating a page and then pivoting once it's a business to make money. Yeah, like oh, 100%. A prime example. Um, but yeah, the meme pages are probably surely one of the most profitable businesses you can get, right? You're just running off your Wi-Fi and, I don't know, laptop or whatever you need to make this stuff. And it is another version of recycled content at the end of the day. Something happens, you recycle it into your own thing and you beam it out to the world. And the quicker you can get that out, the better and the more people will follow your account. If you're the accounts that get the like the big world events into a meme real quick, they're the ones that people follow, and then everyone kind of rips them off that, and the accounts in following kind of drop accordingly. But I follow a few NBA meme pages, and it's it's a wild world out there. Even I'm not sure if you guys are across the NBA that much, but um, Miami defeated Boston today, and Jason Tatum's son was holding up a sign. How quickly did they wipe it and say something else on the sign? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. That's why I, I, I follow the NBA pretty closely in the NFL and that. And I, what I love is being on Twitter when you follow something that's going on and even like mid game, mid plays or something happens as a timeout without even the next thing up, there's someone who's created a meme that that's following on, on some, whatever game that something, something's just happened. It's, that's why it's so interesting because it's this people are so quick comedians yeah. just they're comedians, witty, they're witty. comedians. and there's no limits um like there's there's no boundaries people sometimes take it way too far but hey, that's why people follow it as well you know you wouldn't put your your name behind these meme pages and that's why they usually don't it's like a it's like a reddit kind of deal where you just hide behind something and just get off whatever you need to get off and set it out to the world and that, that's what's crazy about the nba is like these players have no idea. like by the time they finish their game and get to the locker room 
something's either viral and they'll figure it out when they turn on their phone, whether it's right or wrong. Doesn't matter to the meme guys. They're just all over it. Must be harsh for the players though. Yeah, it'd be brutal for sure. (laughs) That's pretty. It's 100% it's brutal. Man, take us back. You played, you were, before you became king of content, you were a professional basketballer. How, how did the journey happen for you? To, did you always grow up wanting to play professional sports? Uh, I guess I wanted to. I started playing soccer. I have a, my mum's Dutch and my dad's from Ghana and they're two very strong football countries. So that was kind of what I did, I assume. And um, I liked basketball better, even I wasn't very good as a kid. And yeah, I just I just stuck with it. You know, didn't have a whole lot growing up on the basketball but you just need a ball and you can find a hoop anywhere so it's pretty it's a pretty good sport to have as a hobby and yeah just grew really late I think I was five seven five eight when I finished high school so I didn't really have a whole lot of opportunities as a basketballer um broke my leg and then kind of was out for a year and a half and woke up and was six foot pretty much and then so what did you do with that surgery (laughs) oh yeah what's going on I might break my leg (laughs) I broke my shin and I was in bed for six months, just pretty much sleeping. And by the time I could walk around again, I was like, oh, feel a bit taller here, got measured. And that was, that was probably what I needed, like a legit six-month hibernation in a prime growing time. That did it. And then, yeah, went to, went to college in the States, got a scholarship to go over there and um, signed back in my hometown in Cairns with the type ends for two years and then I've been through Europe, um, Asia and had a small stint in the NBA D league as well, which was pretty cool. But yeah, very fortunate to travel the world doing, doing that, something that you just muck around with in a kid, you know, it's easy for your mom to be like, Oh, you can be a pro player. You know, every kid's mom probably says that to them. And <laughs> you're like, all right, thanks mom. You know, cool. <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So it was pretty surreal when you, kind of make it to the point where you where you're in a decent sized stadium and you're playing and you think back and you're like man I was really just trying to play in my driveway you know and that was that was cool and it's funny how it changes from something that gives you so much joy into like a job and blurring that line a little bit between when some days you wake up and you're like oh man I don't really love it how I used to and and some days you do um but it is, yeah, it's such a, a, I guess, emotionally taxing thing to do playing sport. And a lot of people don't really understand because they just, they'll come into the event, they'll watch whatever is going on for that hour to hour period. And that's it, you know, we'll see you next time you're on the court. Whereas the athlete has a whole life the same as you do um, outside of that. And for the guys in a bubble, you're pretty much just in a fishbowl right now. You know, you're playing every second day. You can't go anywhere. You can't really do too much. Yeah, you get paid accordingly, but it's it's a tough slog. And I think a lot of people don't understand that when you go and you play in Europe, it, it's a very similar environment. Um, you're away from all your friends and family. You're in a different time zone. You can't go on all these trips. Um, it's winter, so usually in the house a lot. You come out, you go to the store. You go to practice, you go home, you go to the game, you come home. It's kind of just blurs into one um, eight-month season, training twice a day. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty tough, I, I think, on the, on the mind more than the body. Like, you can train to get in shape physically. That's, that's hard. Um, you know, like, it's, it's hard to be a professional athlete. But the mental strain is why you see so many guys when they finish playing. They're just in all sorts. 
for mm. some a year, some two years, some never figure it out, unfortunately. And that's just the strain of transitioning from a sport that gives you like a adrenaline or momentum high. I don't know even what to call it, but like a, a feeling which some people would probably compare to being on drugs that you can't replicate with any drugs or anything. So you're chasing this feeling that doesn't really exist in a life outside of sports and no real job or amount of money or whatever looks like it can fill this void for a lot of ex-athletes. So it is a, it is a very taxing way to spend your twenties in my opinion. Man, you've had such an interesting life. Um, I'm having, <laughs> I can definitely hear what you're saying around athletes. So I feel for a lot of athletes, like my story is nowhere near anyway to the size, your size yours was I was on a list played at Richmond for two years and got the flick by the time I was 20 but spent the next part of the next five years trying to transition from am I still an athlete am I a semi-professional athlete am I do I still have aspirations to play at the big big time is that still a possibility for me I've got to get a fucking job I've got to pay the bills I've got to move on fuck my window's closing what am I doing next and it's it was hard you know like I'm trying I still to this day think about it. I had a pretty bad knee injury about four years ago and I don't play any sport anymore and um, I, th I think about a lot about how challenging it is for people because they don't understand the outsiders looking in see people go oh they make all this money they get all these accolades they're in the papers but we've got friends and people who are still doing things now it's the stress associated with being in that environment it's the you talk about being the rush of just feeling like you've got a sense of purpose or accomplishment like you grow a lot of these people grow up and you as a kid, like your, your dream is to represent whatever it is you, if you're like into sports, it's like, I want to play at the top, you know, I want, I want to play at the peak, whatever that is. And when that's, when that's gone and you got no, there is no other peak. There's no, the sport part's gone. It's a really challenging thing to look at. And I, it's pretty confronting actually recently. I haven't really spoken about it, but I played with a dude called Shane Tuck, who was, who played at Richmond for a, a fair while. And he, um, I don't know the full details of what happened, but he recently, about a month ago, he committed suicide and he'd been struggling with like depression and, and things since his time at, at playing footy. And I, it, it just was so, it just hit me for six a little bit, really. Like I just felt so sad and terrible that a bloke who was just such a nice dude and had so much passion for life couldn't find purpose outside of sport. And it just made me really sad. It's hard, man. Like people, people don't, that's a prime example of, why people have such a hard time like that that sums it up perfectly and it's it's so sad that he's one of many and one of many more to still come it's, um, it's 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 so tough um like it's there's not much empathy for people who get paid to play sport because the average couch punter like oh yeah will you pay me whatever and i'll go run out there and life's good um, but it's, it's such a, I'm sure you felt it too. Like the rise is really quick. Once you figure out you're going to make something, the rise is really quick. And then you sit at the top for however long maximum, I guess LeBron's the only guy who's kind of sat there for this long and then forever. <laughs> yeah, forever for our lifetime, it feels like. But then once you come down, like it, it's a, the, the peak is just as steep going mm. down the other side as well. And, it's an adjustment for people who have never been seen before outside of their sporting world. How do they blend into society? What kind of jobs do they get? You know, what's their identity outside of playing sport? What does, if you're applying for a job and you are someone like, Oh, I remember you from 
I don't know, you, you might have played at Richmond or whatever, you know, cool podcast, you, you played at Richmond, but like that's not really who you are. That's such a small part of, of your life. It doesn't really define you as a person, what you stand for, what you believe in, all these other things. So it, it's tricky playing sport. I think it's a great goal for kids to have. There just needs to keep being that education um, on 100%. what other factors go into this so people um, have more solutions to what they're going through out the other side. I agree 100%. Well, like AFL clubs just saying, oh, learn the guitar. It's like, well, more than that. You know what I mean? Like you really need to find your identity, like not learn another language for the sake of learning something different. You really need to find, like Lisa Curry spoke about when she had a family, yeah? And then she came back to sport and she realized I could just switch off and come back to the family. You know what I mean? My sense of purpose is my family, you know, my the kids and my husband, you know what I mean? So it was like, had something else there and felt way better about that. It's, you know? it's funny when you look at the sports and I, I, I think it's very, very true when you're saying that AFL club should learn the guitar or someone should learn whatever. It's more like, well, what skills do you have? You know, like what skills have you learned from being a professional athlete? How do they translate into a different profession? What professions are you, what other things are you actually interested in? I think it's more uh, the next generation coming through and even the content game. I think like, I don't know if you follow it much like Twitch and like gaming and how people are, it's like all these people who were seen just as I played, I play basketball, but now it's like, well, they play basketball, but they're probably just as w- well known in the younger generation. Cause they're, they're re- really good at call of duty or they were sick at yeah. Fortnite. you know? And like, it's like, it's just like this, the, the beginning things of them pulling the different strings behind and going, Oh, there's, there's more, more layers to what I actually am as a person. I'm, I'm, people are interested in me the more than just playing sport. There are a lot of transferable skills. Um, that you can pick up as an athlete. You can have great people skills. You're used to being conversations. You're used to being in high pressure environments. Um, and being in a high pressure environment is probably one of the hardest things to teach because you can't simulate these things. You can't simulate what it's like to be in a high pressure environment playing sport. And what you can take out of that into real life is a whole lot of patience, understanding, dedication. So when, you, when you're in a high pressure situation at work, it's not the same, you know? If you make a mistake, you're not going to have a whole crowd of people calling you whatever, um, writing you on social media. It's just going to be a my bad kind of deal. So I think as an athlete, you have a lot of good people skills and communication skills. It's just finding what field that you can kind of put those into. Like that, That's a huge, that's why you see a lot of these guys go into commentary or media roles because that's that's second nature for them. They can just go on, talk to anyone about anything and, have a decent time doing it without the the stress of getting slandered. I think that's a no brainer. So how did you go from, how did you get behind the camera then? How did that transition happen for you? When I, my first year overseas in Europe, um, I I signed in Portugal and I'm from Cairns originally. So it was pretty cold living in a European winter. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go insane. Uh, All the things that I grew up on, I can't do here. I can't go outside. You know, I can't walk around barefoot. I can't do pretty much anything. So uh, I told myself, yeah, I'm going to buy a camera with my first check and I'm going to teach myself how to use this thing, full manual settings. And I'm going to get out of the house every day that I have off and I'm going to go walk around and shoot stuff. And that was like my way to get away from sport, get outside the house and to learn something new. Um, and at the time it was, it wasn't like a, I wasn't thinking like, Oh, I want to be a great photographer or videographer or anything. It was just like a coping mechanism to dealing with 
playing life overseas pretty much essentially by myself for the majority of my 20s. So uh, I chipped away, learned how to shoot photos on full manual mode, um, understood light, learned most things on YouTube and just put them out trial and error in, in real life. And by the time I, I finished playing, um, I had done some, I guess, projects for friends or, or friends of friends just for, for fun. And um, a few people like, man, you should do this properly and it was like a like the old idiot light bulb moment went off and I was like oh man what was I doing you know I I should have been thinking about this a little bit more but it all it all made sense you know I'd practice something and I fell in love with doing it because it, it had a purpose in my life and I could go and have a, a shitty game of basketball next day I'm like cool off day you know I'm gonna get my camera I'm gonna go ride down this trail today or I'm gonna go to this city or get a train here or do something like that. So I think for me, when I, when I finished playing, I had a good idea of what I was decent at and what I could improve at. And when you play sports and you understand where you're at in amongst the team, you can kind of see where your ceiling is. And, and I think for me, I was like, all right, we'll I have a background in playing basketball. I have a camera and I, I need to compound these two things here. And, and then I'm, I'm going to be somewhere. Um, and a good friend of mine, um, Delhi, told me about this book and it was about compounding skills, which is what I was doing by accident anyway. And when I dove into a little bit more, I was like, all right, well, yeah, there's going to be plenty of people in the world who are better than me at basketball and plenty who are better than me at making content. But is there plenty who are better than me at both? And 100% compound skills, mate. It's like the that's the thing like skill stacking. If you can be the, if you can put three or four strings to your bow that you're really good at and tie them in, yeah. you're going to be the best person at all them four things. And, and it's just about how you're going to show that, I suppose, and how to tell the story around that. And what was the book? Do you remember? What it was uh, I'll pull it up for you. I'm not a huge book guy. This is probably the, the second book that I ever dove into. I, I like watching stuff, but I'll, I'll flip it to you after this for sure. hundred percent. I'm, I'm I read an article sure. about that. About I mean, you might have told me about it. T-shaped skills. It's no, but it was more about like it was like a real thing. Like if you mapped out like four things that you rate yourself highly at, and then just go, well, think of an idea around that, and just, that's somewhere to start. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't know where to start. I, I'll shout out to Tammy Martin here, but it's the um, there's the like a plan on a page you can do called a it's like in Japanese called Eki Guy. Oh, you nailed that. And it's meant to be like it's it's like a mixture of these Venn venn diagrams and it's like what you're in, i don't know what the i'm making them up now you're like i'll put the proper thing in they'll send you the real one but it's more like what are you passionate about what are you skilled at yeah. what do you love doing what can you get paid for and it's like trying to map all these different ideas out in your head and then finding what fits in the middle and be going well oh, fuck maybe i could do this as a profession and yeah. then you sort of it's like you're living your purpose truth, you're, yeah you're this living is your I'm truth doing. yeah here's here's the book how to fail at almost everything and still win big by See, Scott a, Adams. Scott Adams. I like Punch, the name too. Punchy title, just but it's yeah, it was it was a no-brainer for me to to shoot stuff. And I actually when I was transitioning out of basketball probably a few months after my last season, and I had this idea of wanted of what I wanted to do, I just had the wrong direction. So I was trying to shoot everything besides basketball. I was like, all right, I played that much basketball in my life. I, I don't want to do any more basketball. I'm I'm sick of this. I want to go shoot anything besides basketball. Um, couldn't get any jobs. 
anywhere, not even internships. Um, <laughs> and the only jobs I kept getting offered were, hey, you know, like, here's this team. Do you want to come shoot some stuff? Or, oh, we have this tournament coming up. Do you want to come shoot some stuff? And I was like, oh, you know, like, not really. <laughs> I tried to do other stuff. And uh, I went to a meeting. I was living in London at the time. Um, my girlfriend was working over there. And I went to this meeting uh, with a bunch of other creatives. And there was a really high-level guy. And I was chatting to him a little bit. And he's like, man, you're so stupid. Do basketball. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, man, I'm really tripping. <laughs> like, what am I doing? And then uh, I was shooting for a team in, in London. A, a friend of mine had went back to Perth. And he was like, hey, do you want to shoot this stuff? And once I had this kind of moment, I was like, oh, man, this is a dream. I still get to see sport. I still get to be around basketball, which I, I love. I was just trying to prove to myself that I could be more than just a basketball guy, I guess. It was more like an ego thing that, oh, I'm, I'm great. I can do more than one thing, so I'm going to do it. You know, instead of like, well, well, let's try to be the best at being the basketball content guy. Let's try and do some stuff. So, yeah, I started shooting team content for um, London City Royals in 2018, and that was kind of my first... I guess, big chunk of work in terms of pumping stuff out. It was for absolute pennies due to budgets over there. But, hey, it was, it was cool. And, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy how, how it goes. Well, how did it ramp up for you? So, obviously, it's just you starting with the camera and then all of a sudden you, you've got to do all these videos, you've got to plan all this other content. Like, how did you scale up? Like, are you reading books? Well, you mentioned you don't read books, but, like, like, how are you scaling up? How are you seeing your ideas and going, well, let's make this a full service thing? Like, how did you learn them skills? Online, um, YouTube, Reddit, Googling. If you know what to ask Google, and, and I don't really like the algorithms and, and all these things, but if you know what question to ask, it's going to give you the answer that you're looking for. I and agree. It's 100%. It's, like, it's a real skill learning how to use Google well. Sure. If you can lose, you use Google well, then you can learn anything you want. If you can use Google and YouTube and write, ask the right questions, you will learn that quick because you're, you're asking specifically what you need right now to get there. So I, I was on that thing heavy. Um, I didn't study business. I studied media communication, which has been like absolutely zero help at the moment because radio is not really a, a, the highest career path or, or all these things. So you learn a bunch of stuff there. It's like, all right, cool. You know, I don't even listen to the radio anymore. So, um, yeah just online trial and error you know try stuff out all right how to pitch a client well let me ask the internet let's look at some templates let's pick bits and pieces from different ones that i like and let's just throw it out to a bunch of brands that i don't care about and see what they think um and then you start closing a few of them and i was like all right cool well, now now i have a decent method let's try doing this on brands that i do care about with a little bit more finesse because um, when you're making no money it doesn't matter where it comes from so you would just pitch it to anyone, you know, and you, you build the idea and you spend more time building that one thing instead of just trying to keep doing all these little shitty jobs. You'll just be like building the one thing. And, and for me, that was, I wanted to shoot the, the boomers. I wanted to shoot the national team for basketball. I'm a basketball guy. And once I had this moment, I was like, oh yeah, I got to aim for this. I want to be able to do this. So I went and I was pitching concepts to this team that I was working for in London and continuing this like episodic series. Um, each, I was trying different techniques with the camera, learning how to do stuff. 
just so I could put together a pitch deck to pitch to the national team. That's sick. I love, I love your process. Yeah. It speaks exactly to all the stuff we talk about. But then what happened next? And then I pitched it. And I, uh, loved it. I pretty much pitched it. So that was September. Oh, I was in London, sorry, from, I, I guess, February to April. Um, yeah. And then we'll straight into... That was 2019, and then we'll straight into the World Cup in September, which training camp started in June. So I had like a, a, a little window um, just to get all the stuff ready. The, the national team hadn't done content before, really. It's a, it's a very um, like inner sanctum kind of vibe. So it was a little bit up in the air, you know, how's this going to look? How's that going to look? Um, and I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to, to start from zero and we'll kind of see what happens. And we started that little Instagram account looked like a little bot account for a little bit because there was nothing going on. And now it's at 24,000 or so, and we have bigger plans moving forward. So everything that we've done so far is just kind of a proof of concept that people are interested in it in basketball content. And, and we go from there. So I guess knowing, knowing what you want to do and knowing where there is a gap to do it is probably the, the most important partnership you can find if you want to do something and a million other people want to do it. All right. Well, how are you going to do it? You know, I'm sure I'm not the first guy who wanted to shoot the national team. But you made it happen though. You made it happen. Boy, I love that. It's such, it's such a sick story because basketball content is so interesting because on Instagram, like I follow heaps of like, <laughs> like D Rose, D Rose daily, like all these other ones that just pump out content of players. And you think, how do they like, they're all interrelated. They're all friends with each other. They all like comment on each other's shit. And it's like these pages grow from like nothing to just massive. And it's just content. And yeah. I, I want to get your thoughts on like, why is content so important? It's all people have these days. You, you know, everyone's glued to their phone. What are they looking at? Mm, it's the most like, important it, job. Mm it's it's close it's probably the most it's definitely not the most important but it's definitely the most consumed 100 yeah, percent. and that's an important facet like like you were just saying like you're getting a seat at the table now like if you're saying inner sanctum stuff it's like well, if you're going to craft a story and get behind if you're in the team meetings you you, you know everything you know what i mean like that's so a, probably tell a story that's very helpful to what the team wants to do and for the for the boomers that their goal is to win a gold medal so what can i do to help help do this thing you know like what role can i play in helping set the set the platform and making it known to everyone else that this is the team's goal this is what they're trying to do you know what content can i do what audio grabs am i going to use to make sure that this is what we're doing we're not aiming for silver or for bronze like we're trying to aim for a gold medal so that that's what we're doing um and, and yeah of course a lot of the stuff that goes on is it, you've played sports so you know how it is you're not just going to put a mic up in a dressing room and people talking crazy about whatever and you're not just going to run it like that's not how that's not how it works <laughs> you can get creative with with what you use and empower the players on the team and um, have the uh, I guess society involved in this pursuit and we did a great job of that during the world cup we had our engagements were like uh, unbelievable you know so coming into an olympic window which would have been just past, which will now be next year. There is like pretty good strategy on like, all right, well, let's try and captivate everyone again and, and bring them on this journey. 
now that we've done it once, I'm sure we can make it way better the next time. Yeah, and that's, oh, that's off its head. Cause oh, we've only done it once, you know, like I, yeah. I don't, we don't have 10 years worth of data to analyze and see what worked and what didn't. We just, we've, we've done it once. Um, it I've only been shooting for just under two years. So I don't know everything and I'm still trying to learn myself. I'm still on YouTube most days trying to learn more and seeing what I need to do and following other people and doing whatever. So it is, it is interesting. Yeah. You wouldn't stop. It's not like you hit a point and you're like, Hey, I'm, this is, I'm capped now. It's like you, you're continuously learning your new skills. And I think an underrated skill in terms of content is your ability to empower people and make them feel comfortable enough to share stuff that, you know, crafts that, or sticks to the narrative that you want to start like sell. So like making, it's like you see wedding photographers, they could be the best fucking photographer in the world, but if they don't make the couple laugh and make them feel warm and inviting, you're probably not going to get a good photo. Are you? Stiff as a board. You're stiff as a board. So you're like, it's like a, honestly, you're like multi-skilled, like you have to be a real good people's person to get them sort of opportunities, which it seems like you've done through obviously traveling and playing for all these different teams all over the world. Like you need to be able to talk to people. You know what I mean? Like, that that seems like that seems like what sets you apart from the rest because there's there's a reason why other people don't get that opportunity because you make them feel like you create they, an environment yeah that like, allows them to do that that portrays the narrative yeah that's a hard job sports very close knit as you know so it doesn't matter really what level you play at you're going to know someone who knows someone about you so the the reference and the character check is going to be exactly what you said like you need to have this relatability these people skills and having a background in basketball working in basketball is obviously a, a huge help for me um some of the guys who played on the boomers team that went to china like i've known them for over 10 years so it, it's you, when you already have friends there obviously it's a huge help as well but you still need to be good at what you do so it doesn't become a chore to the players you don't want i don't want what i do to be a stress or, or something that's going on so these guys can't focus it is like a fly on the wall element to it and having a background in basketball and having that feel for the moment and when to ask someone something and when to just shut the hell up that's probably the most important thing i'm sure you've all heard of that that one photographer or that one video guy who's just an absolute punish like hey you know just horrible feel asking people things at the wrong time and you can just tell like that's not what you need to be doing right now so if you can understand that, and that is a huge people skill thing, similar to your wedding example, you got to be able to read the room um, for each scenario. Yeah, you're like a DJ, you know what I mean? You're feeling the room like it's it's a hard job because it's always it's not like you can hide behind the decks and just play a couple of tracks. You know what I mean? Like you're talking to people. Like that's it's underrated, and you can get people fatigued. Like you're you're learning all these technical skills, and you're still going out there. Like, honestly, that's fucking crazy. Like, challenging job. A challenging, but imagine in 10 years' time what you'll be like, the skills and the growth that you'll probably have. You mentioned you've only been doing this for two and a bit years. It seems like you're on a mm. fucking rocket, to be honest. I think it's the skills thing too. You know, like if, you're, if you're working around a high-performance environment and you've been associated, you've spent most of your 20s in professional sports teams, then you're going to take that, like you said, the same dedication and passion that you have to your, your previous craft and, and apply it to getting better at your new ones. It's like, that's a good attitude. You I know like what? It, it, it's so hard. And I, I tell this to kids all the time, like in on a basketball site, it's so hard to make $1 playing basketball. Just making a single dollar playing basketball is so hard to do. 
So you need to apply this to, to whatever it is you do. If, if, if you want to play basketball, cool, this is what it's going to take. If you want to do anything, it's still hard to make that first dollar. So like you got to grind, like you're chasing that, that first dollar, I think. And in sport, the percentages of making it pro in basketball are less than one, 0, 0.0 or something. So, so if you, and that's to make that one dollar. You know, so you can be at a whole association of kids and you look at the percentage and think one of you might make it right now. That's it. It's ruthless. Like it's ruthless. Yeah. If people knew the reality of sport like that, if like you would scare the shit out of them when you're at like primary school going. Yeah, then you make it. And there's like, all right, well, if point whatever make it, then only 5% or something have a career over a couple of years long and then everyone else is... And then the cycle, like, it's the just, cycle it's hard to, it's hard to just be that, like you were saying, like that LeBron, like there's no one in the world that's like that. Like, and that, like, like people, when they want to start brands as well, they think in $10 million, $20 million, it's like, what's wrong with like half a million dollars every year doing something that you love? Like, people, you know what I mean? People don't <laughs> set realistic, set goals, realistic you know? goals and yeah. understand, like, you don't have to, what, what do you want in your mind? Like, do you want a big frigging mansion with all these cars? Like, you don't what even like cars, happy. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what makes you happy? Like, design stuff around that. Like, I don't know. I just went on a bit of a rant. I yeah. like that though. Yeah. Talking That's, about LeBron, yeah. you've got um, well, you do stuff with Paddy Mills. I see he's he's had such a long period of being at the, at, at the top level. What's it been like working with Paddy? He's he's someone who um, I guess he's a natural leader in in what he does, both on and off the court. So when you're in proximity to people like this, I feel it elevates what you do as well. So when you're working at a level and you're like, all right, cool, like this is what I need to do. This is the work I put in. Then you're around him and his team and his wife also grinds and his um, parents have been leaders for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for well before I was alive. So it elevates what you do to a new level and a new grind, I guess. So you're pushing much harder you're inspired by, by what's going on both on and off the court and i think it really helps elevate you creatively as well in terms of what you can bring to the table um last season i got to see the first ever nba indigenous night and document that and to, to see that on a world scale and you're like man imagine what else is possible um, that would be pretty yeah. special how was it was that one of the best experiences you've had since you've transitioned careers I think so for sure that and going to the world cup was like right up there as well. Um, but when you, you're in a big NBA arena and not being indigenous myself, but seeing the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flag going around like the AT&T center in San Antonio, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, yeah. It's, it, it was pretty nuts for sure. But yeah, he's, most people don't get like these are regular dudes as well. They're like having their downtime and not every single time we're together. It's not just camera in his face. You know, he's still got his life, has his hobbies and stuff that keeps him sane as well. He's, he's an inspiring human. I just see all the work he's been doing for like indigenous Australians and how he champions and puts a lot of responsibility and pressure on his own shoulders to make a difference. He's a good human. I think he's like, his basketball prime is coming like now as well. So he, what he does on court could be another level again, which will further elevate everything that happens off the court as well. Um, people don't understand that all the stuff that he does 
off the court is because of who he is on the court. At the end of the day, um, there's like, oh, Paddy, the humanitarian, he's doing this, this and this. And it all stems from him being one of the best basketball players in the whole world. That's what allows him to, to do what he does at the level that he does it. Like it's people often forget what he's done on the court because of all the things that he's doing off the court. Um, but, but yeah, yeah that, that's how he got the platform. That's how he gets the opportunity to do stuff like that is that he knows that's the, the heartbeat of what he does pretty much basketball. And if he wouldn't be able to make as much of a difference if he didn't have, if he wasn't still performing at that can't, higher level. Can't pour from an empty cup. Can't man. pour from an empty cup. That's I like that saying. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive what he does um, both on it and off the court. But uh, I guess for him, he's, he knows who he is. He knows his identity. He knows what, why he's doing what he does. And whenever people have that purpose to what you're doing, good things happen. Good things happen all the time when you know yourself on that level. 100%. And what's on for the rest of 2020 for you? More what is Zoom it? calls? September. Do I have goals? No more Zoom, more, more <laughs> Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I feel like I'm on Zoom more than I'm not. But um, I, I don't know. I guess for me, it's all right. We, we've done the social media stuff. We've done the brand building. Um, how, how can I find ways how to make movies and Netflix stuff and things for TV and put a big platform behind what we're doing and, and elevating it? So, for example, if, if now that I'm full-time with Patty, how can we take some of these initiatives and programs that we're doing and put them out to the absolute masses? How can we tell the good stories to a Netflix, to a ABC or whoever wants to get, to get involved, you know, like social media is a very powerful tool, but it is the tool to amplify. It's not the end goal. If your, your goal is to be, to be big on social media, you need a new goal like that. It's, Instagram changes the algorithm or Facebook gets cancelled or something, then, then what are you doing if that's all you got? If that's your main hustle, what else do you have? So for us, it's finding ways to make legacy pieces on, on a streaming platform, on TV, on, on film. And I don't know, I've never made any movies before like that, but I've already done a bunch of other things that you can't do. You, you can't play pro sports. It's too hard. You know, if I can do that, I can definitely make a movie. So that's what I'm Man, trying you to You can do. make a movie. 100% you're making you a make movie. Make a We're going to look back at this this podcast and go, fuck, we got the guy on. We got the guy <laughs> on. He's making movies. He's making movies. He's first fucking movie. signed to Netflix. He's a multi-squillionaire. Life's good. <laughs> I reckon we've got you on early. I reckon big things are happening because like you said, it was the stuff we try and tell people is it's not, you don't fall in love with the one thing that you do. It's more about the process of your ideas and getting creative and, not, not knowing what's next, but knowing that if that's the goal, I'm going to make it the sickest in my way. And I've got yep. the confidence to back it up because I, I do like being in them environments. And it's like you want to shake hands with the devil. You know what I mean? Like you enjoy, you enjoy stepping out of your comfort zone and creating something because... You have to love it. You have, you to, have love to love it. it, man. You're not going to get it otherwise, you know. You're not, you're not going to get it. For me, it's knowing what's possible. If my whole life people tell me, oh, you can't play pro basketball. You know, you're too short. You're too skinny. You're not you're not fast enough, blah, 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 whatever. And you look at the percentage and you're like, all right, well, cool. And then you do that and it gives you a, probably a, maybe even a touch on the arrogant side level of confidence that you can do anything else. Like I've already done the thing that people told me I couldn't do my whole life. So whatever else, I, even if you tell me I can't do it, I still think I can do it. 
because I've done it once before. So I, I think that's that's the edge that you need to have, whether it's whether you want to play sports, whether you want to open a cafe, whether you want to be a garbage man, like you can be the best at it and turn it into an art or whatever it is you do. Like that, that's what I'm excited for. Like whether it's COVID or, or not COVID, like is, there's always an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done before, do something that's good for the world, do something that can help someone else. And yeah, just play your part, I guess. Like it's, there, there's no real limits in my opinion, besides what you tell yourself you can't do. I love this chat. Oh, no, you've got a little bit of a... I've had the best time. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. You're a sports guy, though. Like, you need, to, you need to get more sports guys on here. You need to find all the other people who used to play sport who now do something else. Oh, it's funny. Well, mate, you, you can help us, mate. Do you know what you said? Do you know what really resonated when you said is, like, you weren't living your truth where you, you, you didn't want to be the basketball guy? There's an element of truth there. I don't want to be the footy dude. I don't want to have to bring on people just because mm. I could. I wanted to prove that I could do something. It's the same thing. It's like exactly a... the same thing. I, heard <laughs> I was like, fuck, I'm getting slapped in the face here. But then when you spoke to Paul Ruse and stuff, you're going, oh, it actually makes sense because I've got a deeper insight into what the actual thing is and I can give a way better analysis or opinion yeah, it's on... It's strength. It's not you know what I mean? It's yeah. 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 And that's why I felt like such an idiot. And I hope you didn't feel like an idiot when I said it. Nah, man, I've already, I've had, I've had the slap in the face before. It's just, it's another reality check. Because, for example, if I was, if it was my podcast, I couldn't dive into topics with someone who plays footy as deep as you could, and that is a niche, in my opinion. Because um, there's probably your, your point of similarity is, of course, footy, and you have that in common. But like we just spoke about, not every footy guy wants to do a podcast or wants to make content or whatever. So each individual person has their own thing, but your ability to tell that story and have that conversation with someone would be next level compared to someone else. And I think like there's, you have to dive into that. If you don't dive into that, like that's a wasted opportunity in my opinion. Oh, no. well, we're going to have the AFL funny business podcast coming soon then, aren't oh, we? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, well, honestly, <laughs> I like it though. It's good. No, nah, I reckon honestly though, because that's the stuff that you've learned though, honestly, by, by talking to them. And it's the same. A lot of my story yeah, comes yeah. the same as a lot of your experiences. And I can hear what comes out in your narrative. You talk about what you do now. A lot of who you are as a person has come from your experience being a professional athlete and your journey to getting there and how you were as a kid and the mindset behind it all getting to that point And, it's very, very similar. It resonates heaps. And I think about it and I go, oh, I have actively steered for a long time. It was also like a bit of pain there. Like a career ended before I wanted to. So it was like, I don't really want to go down that pathway. Happy to shut it. But it is something that I know I have to do. And we'll... We've... That's everyone, man. Everyone's career ends before they want it to. I know. That's the matter yeah. You're not the only one. I know. You're not special. Like, yeah, how's it? You were saying two years ago, if I played VFL now, I'm they back. interviewed me at halftime, I'll be saying, I'm the greatest. I'm back. I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing back. a glove. Like, there's just another... Because <laughs> now you know you've experienced the real world and go, you know, no one cares. Like, I'm just going to be myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little bit. A little it's bit. like that. Yeah. Like, Still hard to do, though, play VFL, you know? Like, there, there's levels to it at the same time. You know, not everyone's going to be like a... I don't know, a Gary Ablett type who can just sit up there and play AFL forever. But there's also the punter who's just trying to make it to VFL. You know, like they, they're grinding away as a kid, probably follow their local team. Like, man, I just want to play a couple of games here. That'd be dope. Then, but then when you make it, you're like, all right, well, now I want to go to the next level. And that's where you kind of, yeah, you get into a little bit of 
I don't know, you either give it a crack or situations happen that are out of your control, like injuries and all these other things. Like, I didn't want to stop playing basketball. I love playing basketball. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's like you never hear many athletes, like who was it, Tom Swift from West Coast? He stopped playing footy to become a doctor. And it was like, that was the only time I've seen someone go, hey, I'm retiring at like 25. I'm just going to become a doctor. And it's like, that's pretty, pretty cool, you know? And then they've seen a couple other players do the similar things. And you're like, I, I like that they've had the ball. And like, they just say it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to play footy anymore. It's not what I want to do. It's not. Someone did that last, a couple of years ago. Andrew Luck, quarterback in uh, the Colts. Yep. He just pulled the pin. He, had a, he would have had a five-year Supermax deal. And he said, no, thanks. I've had enough. Bunch of NFL guys have done that. They're just like, cool, I'm out of here. Like NFL stands for not for long in terms of how long these guys play. So if you can leave on your own terms, like credit to you. 100%. I saw another guy who played basketball. He quit to like run a label and do some skating, try to make a comeback. Don't know if he's bounced back into the league. But yeah, like credit to those people. You know, it's not everyone wants to be the best at something. People just do it because they love it and then they love something else. So they go do that. It's, it's, it's fine. There's it's the no way you live your life, isn't it? Like, it's just an outlook on how you see things, isn't it? Like, there's a lot, the same as going to school and doing, going to uni and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's the way that you just see it all playing out and you see other people do the same sort of thing. So you never really question it, do you? You just live your life. You just your live life, your yeah. life, yeah. Live your life. Yeah. You're always going to have that nostalgia about what, what could happen and, you know, you're playing sports. And even me, sometimes I'm, I'm watching stuff and I'm reading stuff like, man, I can still play for sure. So maybe I need to go play state league somewhere and just get some buckets for a year um, and, and do that. Um, but, you know, it's hard. And I think that's another reason why people struggle to leave sports as well, especially if you don't leave on your own terms. You know, you feel like you got to prove something to yourself more than anyone else and beat your own chest. And like you said, like, you just want to come out and be like, I'm back. I'm back. I'm I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me now. I still got it. Uh, It'd never go away, would it? Really? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look like it when you see the old dudes who play resis or whatever, or like D grade men's in basketball. Like, they're still battling. Yeah, exactly. Just battling. Like, they'll just keep going to the wheels fall off. Like, that life's not for me, man. Like, I, I like, I want to take some health out. Mm. I don't want to get to 50 and sound like a tin man trying to walk around, you know, everything. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, man, thanks so much for taking your time to have a chat with us. I've, I've, I've loved He's actually show. loved. I know he said, we always tell our guests that. But I did, I really <laughs> he, he He's fucking loved this chat. I have too, by the way, but... Yeah, I know. Hey, hang on. It, it's been unreal. Because <laughs> like, we've never really broken down or spoke about content in that sort of type of way. And I don't know. It's just good to, to get your perspective and, you know, your story and how it'll come about for you. Because, I mean, it was inspirational. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and going to take heaps away. Um, might, you know, it's not even, like, sometimes practical things. It's just the spirit of someone. You know what I mean? Of like, hey, this guy's fucking nailing it he's got a good attitude he's got a story to tell and you're doing some of the coolest shit going man like honestly i'm pumped to keep watching what comes out next something i'm, I'm telling you i'm coming after this movie i'm coming after something something's for like a bigger screen than so an instagram account that's that's the goal um keep us in the loop we can't wait to watch for sure yeah that's that's yeah that's what it's gonna be um 
Yeah, I love it. I appreciate you guys having me. I think for me, being from Cairns, it's always humble beginnings. You know, you go from a small town like that to the world. You, you, um, there's so many people who are in a similar situation who probably just hold themselves back. So I appreciate you guys having me on. No one really asked me to go on podcasts. So I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, mate. Jump on and ha have a chat. And I love what you guys are doing as well, giving a platform to the people who, I know, might not usually get the platform. Like you said, I've been on one podcast now too. Like, this is cool. Oi. Love that. How good was that? Matthew Adek Ponya. Um, another great chat another one in the bank rob that was a special one i really really enjoy that i think it's gonna be one of our for like actual detail from a creator who i, I see it like it's new age skill new age business you've gone out there you've got a set of skills you've been able to create a business model around what you do and make it your life he's learned through simple tools available with by just buying a camera getting out there trying and then being obsessed about getting better i love his mindset i like that he come from what his background around his sporting background, how he transitioned through and, and came across from not wanting to be the basketball guy and then embraced who he actually was to find his purpose. I don't know. I was just really energized by that chat and I hope everyone's enjoyed it as much as I did because I'm still buzzing a bit, you know? Touche, hombre. Exactly what Rob said. Um, one of the better ones we've had. If you like what you're hearing and you're a fan of the podcast, one thing you can do is leave a, an Apple review. I don't know we've never really, we've asked for it a bit, but I don't know. Really, it really goes a long way in terms of numbers and growth. And if you're a fan, that's one thing you can do. Um, as well as share, tell some friends, follow us on LinkedIn, fling us a message. Um, life's good.